the gate here, ho? Where is the Earl? What shall I say you are? Tell thou the Earl that the Lord Bardolph doth attend him here. His lordship is walked forth into the orchard. Please it, your honor, knock but at the gate, and he himself will answer. Here comes the Earl. What news, Lord Bardolph? Every minute now should be the father of some stratagem. The times are wild. Contention like a horse full of high feeding madly hath broke loose and bears down all before him. Noble Earl, I bring you certain news from Shrewsbury. Good, and God will. As good as heart can wish. The king is almost wounded to death. And in the fortune of my lord, your son, Prince Harry, slain outright, and both the blunts killed by the hand of Douglas. Young Prince John and Westmoreland and Stafford fled the field, and Harry Monmouth's brawn, the Hulk, Sir John, is prisoner to your son. On such a day, so fought, so followed, and so fairly won, came not till now to dignify the times since Caesar's fortunes. How is this derived? Saw you the field? Came you from Shrewsbury? I spake with one, my lord, that came from thence, a gentleman well-bred and of good name, that freely renders me these news for true. Here comes my servant Travers, who I sent on Tuesday last to listen after news. My lord, I overrode him on the way, and he is furnished with no certainties more than he haply may retail from me. Now, Travers, what good tidings comes with you? My lord, Sir John Umfreville turned me back with joyful tidings, and, being better horsed, outrode me. After him came spurring hard a gentleman almost forspent with speed that stopped by me to breathe his bloodied horse. He asked the way to Chester, and of him I did demand what news from Shrewsbury. He told me that rebellion had bad luck, and that young Perry Percy's spur was cold. With that, he gave his able horse the head, and bending forward, struck his armed heels against the panting sides of his poor jade up to the rowel head, and starting so, he seemed and running to devour the way, staying no longer Ha, ah, again. Said he, young Harry Percy Spur, was cold? Of Hotspur, Coldspur? That rebellion had met ill luck. My lord, I'll tell you what. If my young lord, your son, have not the day, upon mine honor for a silken point, I'll give my barony. Never talk of it. Why should that gentleman that rode by Travers give then such instance of loss? Who he? He was some hilding fellow that had stolen the horse he rode on, and upon my life spoke at a venture. Look, here comes more news. Yea, this man's brow, like to a tidal leaf, foretells the nature of a tragic volume. So looks the strand, whereupon this imperious flood hath left a witnessed usurpation. Say, Morton, didst thou come from Shrewsbury? I ran from Shrewsbury, my noble lord, where hateful death put on its ugliest mask to fright our party. How doth my son and brother? Thou tremblest, 
and the whiteness in thy cheek is apter than thy tongue to tell thy errand. Even such a man, so faint, so spiritless, so dull, so dead, and looked so woe-begone, drew Priam's curtain in the dead of night, and would have told him half his Troy was burnt. But Priam found the fire ere his tongue, and I, my Percy's death, ere thou reportest it, this thou wouldst say, your son did thus, and thus, your brother thus, so fought the noble Douglas, stopping my greedy ear with their bold deeds, but in the end to stop my ear indeed, thou hast a sigh to blow away this prize, ending with brother, son, and all are dead. Douglas is living and your brother yet, but for my Lord, your son, why is he dead? See what a ready tongue suspicion hath? He that but fears the thing he would not know hath by instinct knowledge from others' eyes that what he feared is chanced. Yet speak, Morton, tell thou an earl his divination lies, and I will take it as a sweet disgrace and make thee rich for doing me such wrong. You are too great to be by me gainsaid your spirit is too true your fears too certain yet for all this say not that percy's dead i see a strange confession in thine eye thou shakest thy head and holdest it fear or sin to speak of truth if he be slain the tongue offends not that reports his death and he doth sin that doth belie the dead, not he which says the dead is not alive. Yet the first bringer of unwelcome news hath but a losing office, and his tongue sounds ever after as a sullen bell remembered tolling the departing friend. I cannot think, my lord, your son is dead. I am sorry I should force you to believe that which I would to God I had not seen. But these mine eyes saw him in bloody state, rendering faint quittance, wearied and outbreathed to Harry Monmouth, whose swift wrath beat down the never daunted Percy to the earth, from whence with life he never more sprung up. In few his death, whose spirit lent a fire even to the dullest peasant in his camp, being bruited once, took fire and heat away from the best-tempered courage in his troops. For from his metal was his party sealed, which once in him abated, all the rest turned on themselves like dull and heavy lead. And as the thing that's heavy in itself upon enforcement flies with greatest speed, so did our men heavy in Hotspur's loss lend to this weight such lightness with their fear that arrows fled not swifter toward their aim than did our soldiers aiming at their safety fly from the field. Then was that noble Worcester so tame prisoner 
and that furious Scott, the bloody Douglas, whose well-laboring sword had three times slain the appearance of the king, can veil his stomach and did grace the shame of those that turned their backs and in his flight, stumbling and fear was took. The sum of all is that the king hath won and hath sent out a speedy power to encounter you, my lord, under the conduct of young Lancaster and Westmoreland. This is the news at full. For this I shall have time enough to mourn. In poison there is physic and these news having been well, that would have made me sick, being sick, have in some measure made me well. And as the wretch whose fever weakened joints like strengthless hinges buckle under life, impatient of this fit, breaks like a fire out of his keeper's arms. Even so my limbs, weakened with grief, being now enraged with grief, are thrice themselves. Hence, therefore, thou nice crutch, a scaly gauntlet now with joints of steel must glove this hand, and hence thou sickly quaff, thou art a guard too wanton for the head, which princes fleshed with conquest aim to hit, now bind my brows with iron, and approach the raggedest hour that time and spite dare bring to frown upon the enraged Northumberland. Let heaven kiss earth. Now let not nature's hand keep the wild flood confined. Let order die and let this world no longer be a stage to feed contention in a lingering act. But let one spirit of the firstborn Cain reign in all bosoms, that each heart being set on bloody courses, the rude scene may end and darkness be the barrier of the dead. This strained passion doth you wrong, my lord. Sweet Earl, divorce not wisdom from your honor. The lives of all your loving complices lean on your health, the which if you give o'er to stormy passion, must perforce decay. You cast the event of war, my noble lord, and summed the account of chance before you said, let us make head. It was your pre-surmise that in the dole of blows, your son might drop. You knew he walked o'er perils, on an edge more likely to fall in than to get o'er. You were advised his flesh was capable of wounds and scars and that his forward spirit would lift him where most trade of danger ranged. Yet you did say, go forth. And none of this, though strongly apprehended, could restrain the stiff-born action. What hath then befallen? Or what hath this bold enterprise brought forth? more than that being which was like to be. We all that are engaged to this loss knew that when we ventured on such dangerous seas that if we wrought out life, 'twas ten to one 
and yet we ventured for the gain proposed, choked the respect of the likely peril feared, and since we are or set, venture again. Come, we will all put forth body and goods. Tis more than time, and my most noble lord, I hear for certain, and dare speak the truth, the gentle Archbishop of York is up with well-appointed powers. He is a man who with a double surety binds his followers. My Lord, your son had only but the corpse, but shadows and the shows of men to fight. For that same word, rebellion, did divide the actions of their bodies from their souls, and they did fight with queasiness, constrained as men drink potions that their weapons only seemed on our side. But for their spirits and souls, this word rebellion, it had froze them up as fish are in a pond. But now the bishop turns insurrection to religion, supposed sincere and holy in his thoughts, He's followed both with body and with mind, and doth enlarge his rising with the blood of fair King Richard scraped from pomfret stones, derives from heaven his quarrel and his cause, tells them he doth bestride a bleeding land, gasping for life under great bowling broke, and more and less to flock to follow him. I knew of this before, but to speak truth, this present grief had wiped it from my mind. Go in with me and counsel every man the aptest way for safety and revenge. Get posts and letters and make friends with speed, never so few and never yet more need. 